This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening to the Sunday afternoon show with Maud. It is 5 p.m. on Sunday, the 29th of May 2022, and you can join me using the chat function. We can discuss today's topic, which is creativity in education. Welcome! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, fellow educators and very dear listeners. This is my ninth radio show as a hostess, and I'm delighted to share this experience in your company. But first, I have to introduce myself for new listeners. I am a French citizen of French and West African ancestry. I have lived in the UK since August 2008, and I am a professional educator. I work in a secondary state school in North London, where I teach languages as well as humanities. I teach French case three and four, Spanish case three, and also history and geography case three. I have also experience as a teacher in the charity sector. You can follow me on Twitter at profprofmfl, all views are my own. Today, I want to focus on one topic that is very relevant to me as an educator and also personally in my daily life. The podcast and discussion will both be on the topic of creativity in education. This is mostly relevant to teachers and educators, parents, people who are interested in social studies and the science of education, but also anyone who belongs to that very dear group of mine, the curious and well-informed. Remember, you can use the tweet on um, Twitter, or you can also use the chat function if you want to interact with me live. We're going to start, as usual, by giving a definition of what creativity means. So if you look at the Merriam and Webster dictionary, the definition is the use of imagination or original ideas to create something. Inventiveness. So I can definitely talk about creativity as an experienced creative. I am a very creative person. I am a musician, singer, violinist, fiction writer. Uh, baker, crafter, I sew, I knit, and I love anything creative, whether it involves ceramics, sculpture, anything. I love expressing my inner landscape, my feelings through arts. 
I do think that there's three reasons why people are motivated to be creative. First, it's a need to experience something new, something novel, something different, something that stimulates. Then there is a need to communicate ideas and values, to share our feelings, our emotions, and our passion. And thirdly, a need to solve problems. For instance, design in architecture and interior design is a way to make life easier via items. So these three needs are what is making creativity such a powerful engine of change. I'm very much interested also as creativity in a way to alleviate poverty. I was very lucky enough to travel in India in 2004. I was part of a group of students who had fundraised money to buy a solar pump to install in a Buddhist monastery. The Buddhist monastery had a school, an orphanage, a leprosy center, and um, we went to visit uh, during the installation of the solar pump. It was in Ladakh, which is a Buddhist community in North India. The capital of Ladakh is Leh, and it is very hard to access. You either need to fly by plane, or you need to take uh, one of the second highest roads in the world, which is at 4,000 meters altitude. It's the beginning of the Himalayan mountains. It is a beautiful region. When I was traveling <clears throat> in India, I realized that the children didn't have much. We were warned and we had taken lots of pencils and paper to give them as gifts. But I was really impressed by what I saw as far as creativity is concerned. We would have some stops on the road because we were traveling by bus with the locals. And at every stop, there were shops, little villages, no toilet facilities, and that was hard for a Westerner used to comfort. But I was mesmerized by these children who were coming to greet us and they had the most beautiful toy cars I've ever seen. If you Google it, you might see it on the internet. It's cars made out of little iron bits that they collect in the litter or trash. And it's so beautifully made, it could be sold in an art craft vintage stall at a Christmas market. And these children didn't have money for toys, but they made their own toys. They were so creative. They made wheels out of little bits of iron and plastic they found. And it was crafty and it was very clever. And it inspired me. And I thought, it just shows human beings are amazing. When they don't have access to any resources, they'll still find a way to create something that has beauty, functionality, and entertains. And this is what creativity is about. Now, if you do have your own children at home, I'm sure you've noticed that sometimes you buy them a gift that comes in a cardboard box when it's delivered. And actually, after maybe playing with the new gift or the new toy, you realize that what the young child between the age of one and four does is mostly plays with the cardboard box. Young children love a cardboard box. That also works for cats, I've been told. Um, but it just shows something. It's not always the perfect toy, the beautifully made toy that's been purchased at a 
big cost that is the most entertaining thing. It can be just a humble cardboard box because it's so versatile and you can use it to create anything. It can become a fire engine, a castle, a place to hide toys, or a boat, or a rocket. Children use their environment to, to have fun and it's a beautiful thing to see. Now, I'm not the only one who's noticed that there's a big difference between primary school students and secondary school students. And it seems like because we ask them to focus on academic subjects, they sort of lose that lovely, innocent creativeness they had before. And they seem to be more restricted in the range of their creativity. This is something we need to talk about today. Creativity in education. I'm going to give you an example that's based on my professional expertise. At the moment, I'm trying really hard to teach my year 9, 10 and 11 to produce more writing. Whether it's in English or in French, I notice they really struggle with expressing themselves. And I've tried to find other ways. There's many methods. There's the Conti method, for instance, where you use bits of sentences and you train your, your students to use them to create complex sentences. It might work very well, but I'm still struggling in my classroom. In my opinion, creativity needs to be nurtured, but it seems like in secondary school, we are damaging creativity in its natural state, and it's always present in children. So we need to work on nurturing. You might ask, how do you nurture creativity? How do you nurture imagination? Well, I've identified during some research on a subject, four very important categories to help nurture creativity in children and in teenagers. And the first time is the most important one, and it's time. We all know as teachers and educators that we never have enough time to complete all the tasks we have to do daily, but also all the tasks that we want our students to go through to be ready for their next pursuit or their next exam or their, their travel in the educational world. So time is the essence. Creativity doesn't always work with a strict deadline. Sometimes we need time just to gaze out through the window and think and let the idea come. Then there is another very important aspect that we need to nurture creativity and its resources. You might say, hang on, you mentioned these children in, in Himachal Pradesh on the way to Ladakh in India who had nothing and yet made beautiful toys out of what they found. Yes, it's true. With creativity, you can turn anything, such as a cardboard box, into an object of fun and wonder. However, you need to have 30 boxes if you have 30 students in your classroom. And we know that resources play a part in being able to offer proper education. So I still insist, one can be creative with almost nothing, but we still need something. So time and resources. Now we also need the right type of resources something too complicated, something made to measure, something that should be perfect for something, might not be very uh, good at promoting creativity. So I would say 
a resource that is allowing creativity to to be enriched is something that has different uses in itself. The third aspect we need to consider to nurture creativity is mental space. What do I mean by that? I mean, if we're constantly giving tasks or trying to fill a very difficult curriculum, we don't have enough space for creativity. And I see it a lot in the way we teach languages. I have to go through hoops, to jump through hoops. I have to teach hobbies. I have to teach vocabulary for uh, the holidays or the environment topic. And in the end, I have no time to do what actually is the best way to nurture creativity and, and is to offer the students a chance to do some research on the subjects that they are interested in. So I would say we need to make sure we have enough mental space to be creative. So it might be that if you really want to nurture creativity, you need to spend 30 minutes doing something that doesn't fit in with exam revisions or the national curriculum. And I know this is being quite controversial, but I'll give you examples of how to do it later on in a podcast. Now, the last resource that's very important to nurture creativity is access to nature. We have realized during lockdown one and two how important nature is for our well-being. It is really difficult to be creative when we don't have access to nature. I find when I have to do some creative writing or when I have to write a song that walking in nature or walking in a street, let's say, is really a part of the process of being creative. It's the same as mindfulness. It's being in the moment and it's not possible to do that in a classroom. So I would definitely advise any educator to think about how to give access to nature to their students or encourage them to access nature in order to become more creative or to enrich their creativity. So time resources, mental space and access to nature are the, I would say they are the feeders that allow creativity to develop. Now, another thing that could be considered controversial is the fact that creativity needs rules. And I insist on that. I could be described as a disciplinarian in my way of teaching. I do think we need to follow rules because the rule of law is at the base, at the cornerstone of a society. I believe that creativity doesn't really stem from chaos, but structure. I think that we can be creative when we feel supported. And that structure, that rule of law, the classroom rules, is what enables us to be creative. If we look at what's happening in our schools in the UK, we might be quite shocked at the difference between what we talk about when we train teachers, the promotion of creativity, the promotion of democratic institutions in the classroom, and what actually is done in the classroom when we face 30 students for an hour for a lesson. It is really hard to be creative. In my experience, being a very creative person, I often find that the stress of the exam and the curriculum and all the data collection exercises we have to do stifle 
my creativity as a teacher. It is really hard to make fun lessons that are a little bit different when you have pressure from a line manager who really wants the students to have good grades to reflect well on the school. I'm not the only one who comes to that um, impression. I think the first time we realized that there was a lack of creativity happened in 1999 with the Robinson Report. So the National Advisory Committee on Creative and Cultural Education, NACCCE, has published a report in 1999. This report had a chair who is crucial in our understanding of what creativity is for human beings. And I'm talking about the late Sir Ken Robinson. He was the chair of this commission, of this committee. So in that report, we realized that creativity and cultural education are essential to a good quality education and that we need to foster the different talents of all children and that most children thrive on being creative. So the NACCCE define creativity as something imaginative, an activity that is fashioned so as to produce outcomes that are both original and of value. So that's still a little bit vague. It did argue further in the report that this creativity is universal and also individual. I quote, all people have creative abilities and we all have them differently. When individuals find their creative strength, it can have an enormous impact on self-esteem and on overall achievement. I think this is the crucial part of it. We are all creative, we all need creativity, but we all experience our creativity in different ways. So creativity goes hand in hand with differentiation. We can't expect all our students to be creative in the same way or in the same subject or with the same media. We need to have a plethora of medium so that children can find the ones that they find easy to use so that they can let their creativity flow. So this report made us realize that our schools in the UK and I, I guess in the rest of Europe are not very good at encouraging creativity. Whether it's because they like the time, the resource, the mental space, or a combination of all, we do need to improve access to resources that make creativity flourish. I want to focus on Ken Robinson. So Ken Robinson was a British author. He was a speaker, and you can find his TED Talks on the internet. And I really, really, really advise anyone who's interested in the well-being of children to watch his TED Talks. The first one that was published in 2006 was entitled, Do Schools Kill Creativity? So now that's a strong word. I think he wanted to just make a point. I would advise anyone to have a look at this. And there was another one that he did not long ago before he died. He sadly passed um, just before the, the first lockdown. And um, he, he, was, he was hoping that the lockdown 
I mean, he passed after the first lockdown and he was hoping that the lockdown would allow us to see education in a different light. <clears throat> I'm not sure we have reached that level yet. And I'm hoping that with these podcasts, we're still doing our little bit to change our mindset. So Ken Robinson was working in the arts. He was working for the government, for non-profit organization and education and arts bodies. He was the director of the Arts in School project and a professor of arts education at the University of Warwick. He was also a professor emeritus. He was born in, 1950, in the 1950s in Liverpool and he came from a working class family. But I have to say that he benefited from a very good quality academic education. And he was never opposed to a national curriculum that insists on academia. He just also wanted to add different priorities to our national curriculum. And he wanted core subjects such as science and English and maths to be on an equal footing with artistic ones such as dance or music. This shouldn't be controversial, and yet this is not what's happening at the moment in the UK with lots of budget cuts to departments. I'm very much aware that in many st secondary state schools in North London, there's no offer for a GCC in dance or in music or even in drama. And I can see the same wave of closure of languages department. And I find it very worrying because that narrowing to the core subject is depleting our education system and it has a direct impact on creativity. As an educator, there is an interesting study that is being done by UCL in its Institute of Education, IOE, and its Department of English Language and Literature. Some researchers have been trying to, to examine whether there is a new approach to teaching little children in primary school, six and seven years old, about grammar in order to help them produce creative writing of quality. Now, this study was started in January 2019, and sadly, because of the lockdowns, it's still not published or it's still not finished. So I would advise anyone to keep an eye out on the UCL website in order to see the result of that study. I would be really interested to get some pointers from that, because as I said, I'm struggling in my language classes to get my students to produce writing that is of good quality and quantity. So this issue of creativity has been at the forefront of educational ed science and thoughts and essays written in by researchers at university since 1999. And Sir Ken Robinson provided us with a lot of possible strategies. There is a very interesting uh, way of conceptualizing creativity that was devised in 2012. So this is called um, the Center for Real World Learning's Five-Dimensional Model of Creativity. That's a very pompous name. Imagine a circle and then you have five big fields, imaginative, inquisitive, persistent, collaborative, and disciplined. And this suggests all the aspects of creativity. So that's the first wheel. And then you have an outer wheel with different 
skills that creativity suggests, such as being intuitive, wondering and questioning, exploring and investigating, challenging assumptions, tolerating uncertainty, sticking with difficulty or persistence, daring to be different, being an individual, sharing a product once it's created, giving and receiving feedback, cooperating appropriately, group work, reflecting critically, developing techniques, crafting and improving, playing with possibilities and making connections. So this is the wheel with five dimensional creativity models and fields. I think it's quite a good one to have maybe as a poster in your classroom. It was commissioned by Creativity, Culture and Education by the Center for Real, Real World Learning, CRL, at the University of Winchester. And now it's been used globally by the OECD. This is a very interesting thing to, to remind us that creativity is not a lonely endeavor. It has to be done through a community. It has to make people bond, create relationships, and it will only flourish if it's universal. So it starts from the individual and then it aims at the universal. Now, the latest development in the education and creativity is with PISA. We all know PISA. This is the program from International Student Assessment, which gives us a ranking, a world ranking of the best schools and universities in the world. So since 2021, PISA has recognized that we need to take creativity as a um, criterion. It can't just be academic uh, endeavors such as literacy, maths and science that is used to measure performance of 15 years old. It has to include creativity. So since 2021, creative thinking is part of a focus from PISA and it's used as an indicator. PISA defines creative thinking differently from Sir Ken Robinson. PISA says, and I quote, it is a competence, creativity, to engage productively in the generation, evaluation, and improvement of ideas that can result in original and effective solutions, advances in knowledge, and impactful expressions of imagination. So again, it's quite a heavy definition, but I think it's very important that PISA recognizes this in its ranking of schools, because too often creativity is seen as something like the arts and ostracized or pushed to the side, whereas we won't get developed societies with very innovative inventions without creativity. So. I'm going to let you listen to the news and then we'll have a think at how we can improve creativity in the classroom. Remember to use the live chat if you want to communicate and give us your thoughts on the topic of the day.
This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk if you're listening to this then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves that's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care we need people like you to help us achieve even more with us you'll be given all the resources and support you need offered a clear path to career progression and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. school on a remote Scottish island is looking for a new head teacher. Fuller is the most remote island in the United Kingdom and has a population of just 28. The island off the coast of Shetland has one tiny primary school with only four pupils on roll, plus one child in the nursery. The current head teacher is retiring, although she has said she will stay in the role until a replacement can be found. The post is described by Shetland Islands Council as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and a chance for the right applicant to create an idyllic island home. Anyone interested in the post has until June the 6th to apply. BBC News reports that some teaching unions are calling for an end to teachers on the Isle of Man having their pay awards linked to England. The NASUWT has formally rejected the government's latest pay offer and Damien McNulty of the union said it was time for Isle of Man specific pay. National Education Union has accepted the deal under the offer, teachers on the Isle of Man would be paid 1% above the current London fringe scale. Mr McNulty said the offer had been formally rejected as there was no acknowledgement on how to deal with the 30% erosion in pay in the last 12 years, 
which he says is caused by linking Manx teachers' pay awards to those in England. Northern Ireland's Education Minister has announced the launch of special Jubilee curriculum resources to help young people understand the significance of Queen Elizabeth II's historic reign. The resources are fully aligned with the curriculum and the programme will be targeted at Key Stage 2 and 3. The resources are suitable for both mainstream and special school settings. The Minister encouraged everyone to get involved in the full range of activities, which include writing poetry, a Jubilee bake-off and a summer fair. In the United Arab Emirates, there are signs that students are picking non-traditional university courses. Data science, engineering and accounting have long been popular courses, but UCAS have highlighted an increase in applications for subjects including designing film sets, establishing restaurants and working as art therapists. The change in direction is welcomed by many who are pleased to see an increase in support for the often neglected arts subjects. In 2021, the UK media reported that the country faced a loss of around 400,000 jobs in the creative industry due to the pandemic. It is clear from this new data that, for some, the passion for the arts and creativity remains. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about virtual tours. Did you know you can go virtually almost anywhere without leaving the classroom? Due to this being an audio podcast, I'd just like to point out to listeners, I did air quotes around the word virtually just then. On Sunday, I tweeted a great list to start from, created by Katie Burke of Good Housekeeping. Before you start asking why someone as cool as me is reading Good Housekeeping, a good list is a good list. I'm going to tweet a different virtual tour at TT Radio every day this week. So keep an eye out if you want to pick up a new virtual tour. So what is a virtual tour? They take many forms, but my favourites are interactive. Go to a place like the Louvre and look around, without the need to buy a ticket, queue, and even have an unobstructed view. Use snipping or print screen to make a storyboard then reflect on your journey for an activity. There are virtual tours for lots of things you wouldn't think of. I found one for the digestion process, where you can look around whilst being swallowed, digested, and yes, it finishes with you being excreted. Lovely. Next time you're looking for a way to explain something, just check and see if there's a virtual tour that can support you. I'll be tweeting at TT Radio 2022 a different tour each day this week. Yet another good reason to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Dear listeners, we have just listened to the news, and now we go back to our topic of the day, which is creativity in education. So I just wanted to talk about my own personal experience of being a creative child. Um, It is a difficult situation to be very creative because you end up having lots of issues with your well-being at times. I remember having to see a doctor because I struggled with my sleep. At night, every time I tried to fall asleep, I was literally bombarded with ideas. My brain just couldn't switch off and it was ideas as diverse as design ideas or 
um, fiction writing ideas or just ideas about politics, anything. I was always thinking of ways to change things and improve them. And it's very difficult when you don't have the resources or the knowledge to uh, go through with your ideas. So I struggled with that a lot as a, as a child. Then I found outlets such as creative fiction and music. But the problem is it was always put to the side in the educational system I, I went through. I was a French student. So whenever we started to grow up and have more resources to express ourselves, I noticed creative writing wasn't so preponderant in our exams, for instance. And we had to become more and more formatted and follow a very rigid way of thinking when we went to university. So I just found it really stifling to have to follow such a restrictive format. And I see that same pattern happening with my students who are going through the grinding process of GCSE exams and then A-level exams. It seems like we take all the pleasure out of the learning experience and focus on filling boxes and having these multiple questions. And it's just lifeless very often. So in my lesson planning as a teacher, I'm trying to just drip and drop some creativity. For instance, I have had such great experiences of making lessons where I introduce great film filmmakers such as Ledgley or um, Godard or very famous film directors and I use some extracts from their movies and I try and do it so that it fits with all the topics we have to go through such as when we do traveling and holidays abroad I always show them some extracts from Pierrot le Fou which is a film from the new wave the Nouvelle Vague in the 60s I try to show them some French pop music from the 60s, Charles Trenet, La Mer, or um, Il y a le ciel, le soleil, la mer, the 1962 Eurovision win for France. I always try and drip feed some cultural aspects of French learning. And I do see the interest of my students perking up whenever I do so. I did mention in my previous post podcast last week the Huguenots when I took my students on a tour of London following the migration and the refugees' footsteps um, of the French people, the French Protestants who settled in London. So it is possible to be creative as an MFL teacher or as a history teacher, but you're going to go against what management expects of you and you're going to take time off from the preparation for the exam. So you have to be a bit of a rebel to be a creative teacher, I find, um, in the British educational system at the moment. I'm hoping with more free schools that embrace creativity and maybe democratic institutions inside the functioning of the school, we might get to a different way of teaching. And um, I will talk more about it at the, on a, in another podcast, but decolonizing the curriculum also allows teachers to expand the area of knowledge and to bring more creativity into lesson planning. But right now, it is still a very niche endeavor, and it feels at times like you're fighting a battle against a very rigid system. But I just want to encourage educators and parents 
to try and go against the flow, even it feels like it's very difficult and controversial because you can't have creativity without friction. So this was my experience of being a creative child and a creative teacher. Now, I do think that creativity in general is about feeling and being emotionally astute and expressing inner feelings with different medium. It can be the medium of writing, the medium of songwriting, the medium of designing, the medium of creating or observing nature or reproducing nature, whatever ways, it is definitely something emotional that deals with the true essence of our humanity. And I do think that since COVID happened, we know mental health services were under pressure because of budget cuts before 2019, and it's worse in 2022. There's ultra long waiting lists for teenagers who face mental health crisis, and there's also the postcode lottery. So I'm very much aware that a lot of our students are suffering with their well-being and their mental health at the moment. And I do think that having a system of education that is influenced by corporate practices leads to undervaluing human emotivity. And it is definitely a deadly cocktail if we want to nurture creativity. So I would definitely advise parents to really think about which school they're sending their children to so that they find the school that is there to nurture that precious creativity throughout their learning. So I was mentioning that UCL is doing a study about how to teach grammar in a way that doesn't stifle creativity in writing. So there is um, this study funded by the Nuffield Foundation, and it's a project which has a randomized control trial and uh, an analysis of the approach to grammar, which is effective in improving children's writing. So it's even more important now, as I said, one of the impact of COVID is difficulty with express expressing oneself through words. Literacy is at risk in that generation that suffered because of the lockdowns. So <clears throat> IOE, so the Institute um, of Education, there's a professor called Dominic Wise, Wise spelled W-Y-S-E. So Dominic Wise said, and I quote, learning the grammar of a language is a fundamental part of human development. For nearly all children, learning the grammar of oral language happens naturally through interaction with parents and other people they are close to. However, the grammar of written language is a different story. Written language requires more explicit teaching and learning, and our project at UCL will use the gold standards of RCT, which is um, randomized controlled trial, and process analysis to evaluate if this new approach to teaching grammar for writing is effective. So as I said earlier, we are worried as educators because of the impact of lockdowns on literacy. The children will be able to speak fine because they were exposed to TV or family discussions and will catch up eventually. Now, teaching grammar is definitely a different skill 
And that is required to express oneself and to be able to produce good quality creative writing. So this is very crucial for this generation. We need to give them the tools to speak and write to a good standard so that they can be creative in their writing. Now, I did mention I am a creative writer, a fiction writer, and my experience in creative writing is that students, a student needs tools to understand how other creative writers have honed their crafts. So it is very important that we do literary analysis and that we expose our students to many, 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 many different ways of writing, whether it's fiction or essay or poetry. So we need to give um, access to books. And also that's essential, check that there's a school library in this institution you choose for your children. Or as an educator, if there is no school library, try and campaign for the um, purchase of books somewhere in your department, whether it's English or MFL or even science, but you need to have books, physical books for students. Now, as a teacher, if we want to increase creativity, we need to give the tools and the tools are in creative fiction writing, for instance, being able to understand literary analysis. We need to teach the students about hyperbole, comparison, euphemism, all the figures of speech that writers use. Obviously, we need to give them basic literacy and grammatical knowledge. And this is crucial for language learning. All these terms should the students should be familiar with are adverbs, uh, determiners, conjugating. It's crucial that all year seven students are familiar with these terms. And then, as I said, we need to give lots of exposure to many different writers. So that's for creative fiction writing. There are great tested methods for nurturing creative writing. I'm sure most teachers in primary school are using them. There's genre writing, writing à la manière de, for instance, um, we do a sequence of lesson planning on fantasy or sci-fi writing or Gothic literature, ghost story, autobiography, period writing. We show how it's been done by different writers and then we allow students to develop their own attempt at writing in a special genre. Writing poems, and there's great competitions that are started at the moment. There is one um, with uh, about how to include um, students with special educational needs. And I know Michael Rosen, the um, writer of We're Going in a Bear Hunt, is going to be the judge at, um, at this panel. So check it out. That's a great writing competition for your students. Writing poems is great because it's short. It's a flexible way of writing. It can be completely surreal. There's no restriction in the, in the puns, in the play on words. And also we pay more attention on sounds and rhythms and patterns than maybe punctuation and vocabulary. So I would definitely advise poem as um, a tool for introducing creativity and writing in schools. And I use it myself. When it's Black History Month, I usually ask my students to write a poem about the experience of seeing the movement of Black Lives Matter during the lockdowns, for instance, or um, we're going to do um, 
a whole lesson planning in my class of year 10 on the apartheid in South Africa. And I'm going to use poem writing as a competition to really encourage students to be creative. So definitely you should aim as an educator to have at least one writing competition per year. Definitely. Um, another example that I use in my practice of creative writing is flash fiction. And that's great because it's small, it's short, and the structure, it has to be snappy, there has to be an, an introduction development, and then a conclusion. And it teaches students to be really focused on the structure. So that's, that's definitely a great exercise. Flash fiction, you can tell your students in English literature, for instance, or in any other subject for that matter, depending on the topic you're studying, but you can tell them, all right, we have 15 minutes. The task is take a pen, write a story in 15 minutes. And then at the end, we share and we put it together and we compare and we give feedback and we try and see what um, literary, literary tools we used, comparison, simile, um, what type of register, was it familiar, informal, formal and we can do lots of feedback um constant feedback on that kind of flash fiction exercise and it's really exciting as well now i did mention having difficulties with producing quantity and quality writing in french with my year 10s and my students and i just had this idea researching creativity today um, this is how creativity works isn't it you do some research on a topic, for instance, for this podcast, and then you stumble upon something on the internet, and then it's like a light bulb moment. Ding! You, you get an idea for your lesson. I think this is how we can celebrate creativity as well. And we should definitely tell our students, I was preparing this for you guys, and then this idea came. It's, it's important to show our students that teachers are creative beings as well, and that we can bring some of our own passion into our lesson planning, and that it's a natural way of being. So the idea I had was to use Calligram method. Some of you might be familiar with this uh, French tradition of making um, a shape, for instance, the sh a circle, and writing inside the circle, or having the shape of the Eiffel Tower, and writing using a special font or uh, words that fit into that shape. So the most famous author who did a whole poetry um, book on the, with that format of calligram was Guillaume, Guillaume Apollinaire. So Guillaume Apollinaire is a great figure to use for history, and for languages, he was, first he was of Polish and Belarusian ancestry, so Eastern European. Then he was also a poet, a French poet, but he was also a soldier in the First World War. So when you talk about Guillaume Apollinaire, you can do a whole lesson sequence in history on the First World War. He was a calligram writer, as I explained, and also easy to connect with our experience of COVID. Um, Guillaume Apollinaire survived shrapnel wounds in the First World War. He survived the war in the trenches for four years and he died sadly of the Spanish flu in 1918. So definitely something the students can relate to. 
He's been through a pandemic. He didn't make it. We've been through a pandemic. Some of our students' family members might not have made it. But this creates a connection, a bond. And I think it's always good to use historical figures and introduce them to your students so that they can relate to them. So definitely, if you want to encourage students who are a bit reluctant to do some creative writing, introduce them to that format, the calligram format. Give give them, if I mean, it's a simple thing. If you have students who are really passionate about football and who doesn't, um, you can give them the shape, the shape of a football and ask them to write a short poem or just random words in the language you're teaching, whether it's Spanish or German or French, or, and tell them to fill the shape of the football with the words. It's a simple step towards producing more writing. It's creative because it gives them an opportunity to express themselves without having to worry so much about punctuation. Guillaume Apollinaire um, did write poems without any punctuation because he wanted to focus on the sounds of the words. And it's great for speaking practice as well, because a language is spoken. We need to taste the words. We need to really, it's like when you savor wine, you need to savor the words, make them roll onto your tongue. And this process is appealing to senses, not just, you know, visual. It's appealing to sound making, and it makes a little bit of creativity flourish in your classrooms with a calligram format. So definitely an idea I had today, and I think it, it might be worth sharing for any MFL teachers or history teachers or English teachers for that matter. Now, if we think about what stops our students from being creative, and Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talks are great if you want to, to dive more into the issue, if you have more time. But I do think there's four main reasons um, that hinder students from being able to be creative. And first is the big, biggest hurdle. It's the lack of confidence. I do think when you go through teenagehood, you know, it's, it's a physical process. It's an emotional process. It's unsettling. It's worrying. We, we have a tendency to forget as adults how difficult it is to grow up, how scary it is. Um, when we become a teenager, we realize that our world is not so safe. Our parents aren't always right. Our parents aren't always there for us. And it's we feel very little in a big world. So confidence building is essential if we want to support our students to be creative. So my advice is always, as an educator and a teacher, if you want to nurture creativity in your students, you need to make them feel safe. Your classroom has to be a safe place. So a positive classroom experience and a very strong bond with your students. Your students might need to think that you, ha you have their backs, you are on their side and you want the best for them. And this is the only way we can nurture creativity by making them feel like they can take a risk with us, we'll have their backs. Another thing that stops our students from being creative is a lack of interest. Um, they have a lot of topics to revise. They have a lot of subjects. Not all subjects are appealing to them and that's fine. But we need to find an angle that brings everybody in. I give you an example. 
I have a great motivated class of year 10. I teach them French. They're not all good in French and they're not all interested in French, but we try our best. And I try to give them other perspectives, not just what we do as a French subject. So I started um, having a um, relationship with a group that's proposing and offering anti -appetite, uh, an anti-appetite project. So this is a new endeavor. And I offered my students to take part. This will be in Islington. There's going to be a museum celebrating uh, the anti-appetite movement, ANC. And they want students to be involved in um, the designing of the museum. You're going to say this has nothing to do with French as a subject or as a language. I will say, no, it doesn't, but you can still find a link. Um, we found a documentary about someone who, who was an ANC member and moved to France. Um, so you can always find someone who speaks French involved in some historical event. You, you will, it's a challenge I give you, but you can always do it. So with that anti-appetite movement project, I'm going to try and interest my students. They were keen on this, on the, on the topic. It's not directly linked to French, but it's going to make them excited. It's going to make them enthusiastic. And when you have enthusiastic students, you can push them more. So obviously the lack of interest is a general teenage thing. We know how they are. They're like, oh, I don't like this, or I'm not interested in this. Find something that they will be interested in and work on it. And then you can introduce other things that they're less keen on. But you can only do that once you've established that your classroom is a safe place, you're on their side and you're there for them. Lack of motivation, and that leads also, that is linked to lack of interest. Um, make it fun. I don't mean make it leveling down. Don't level down. No, but teach them things that can be fun in a different ways. And if I'm talking about creative writing, you know what? You can do a lesson on rude words in French. You can. I know this is not, this is a bit controversial again. This is not what's in the curriculum, but you need to sometimes find your, you know, know your battles. If it motivates them, if you teach them not to repeat them in the wrong situation, you can you can give them a little task, find some root French words, find where they are from, etymology, etc. That will make them laugh. We all know we all need a bit of comedy in our life. Just do one lesson like this one day, and then move on and introduce other things that are a bit more conventional. But try and make it fun at times. We can't always do exam prep. It's just this is. This is killing the joy of teaching. And if you have to be a bit cheeky once in a while, just do it. Maybe not the day you have an observation from your line manager, though. Um, now, the, the last thing that stops our students from being creative after lack of confidence, lack of interest, lack of motivation, is lack of skills. And that's where we come in as a teacher or as an educator. Our students are very much aware of what they don't know, actually. And very often, the reason why they're not either making an effort 
or producing the writing you're expecting, even though you gave them all the tools they need, is because they think they are not good at it. So it's also like the lack of confidence, but lack of skills is real. It's really hard to speak a foreign language, or it's really hard to start singing in front of others, or it's really hard to write in in a formal English when you know that you still stumble on the words or your pronunciation is incorrect or your spelling is very awkward. So it is very important to work on the skills and to give them chances to practice them. We need to start maybe with one word and go step by step. And I do think that we are asking too much too quickly from our students. And I think we need to spend maybe a year on establishing that safe classroom, that bonding with our students, getting to know who they are and what they like, to motivate them, having a laugh with them to create a strong connection. And then maybe starting with one word and more, and then we can get to quantity and quality of creative writing, for instance, or music producing, or in food tech, or in arts, or in textile. But we need to maybe slow down, and this is what I mentioned at the beginning, the first part of our show. It's about time, it's about resources, it's about mental space and access to nature. And if we don't have these four important resources, creativity is not going to flow. So I would advise anyone to take their time. And I know I'm going against the whole of society. We want to go faster. We want to travel from London to Birmingham faster. We don't want to waste time. Everything is about doing it faster. Well, for creativity, sometimes we need to stay rooted in the moment, aware, mindful, and we need to take a big breath and then we can be creative. So I'm aware it's going against the flow. Now, another thing that we haven't mentioned yet in creativity is copying and mimicking. So we've all been to the zoo, I assume, or we've all watched animal programs. And when you look at what a young cub or baby monkey does, is copying and mimicking and repeating the same gestures that the adults are doing. Now, young children do that. We've all seen a little boy pushing a pram with a little doll in it, or a little girl um, pretending to be cooking, or uh, a little boy pretending to be vacuuming with a vacuum toy. By copying what adults are doing, children are learning. And creativity works like this. Inspiration at the beginning of the creative process is by copying what we see around us. So if we don't see teachers who are being creative, parents who are being creative, how can we expect our students to be creative? I think it's really important that children see their mothers or their fathers being engaged in a creative endeavor. I think art crafts are a very good way to nurture creativity. It is great to see mums engage in a creative activity and then their children might try it or not, but at least they see their parents engage in that. Practicing the way others do is also the best way to learn a new method. It works for music, 
It works for creativity. It works for everything. We need to copy the gesture. We need to drill it often until we can make it our own. So repetition, drilling and copying are part of the creative process. Anyone who plays an instrument knows that. To be good at playing an instrument, you need to master it. To, to master it, you need to practice your scales. And this is obviously, at first glance, completely against creativity. There's nothing more structured, rigid, formatted than practicing scales. And yet, it's how we learn to play an instrument. So as I said, there is no creativity without structure and there's no creativity without rules. Now, once we've mastered the scales, new ways of making a song formats for a song but we need to know the ABC second freedom can derive from having thrives with rules because then eventually we can break them or create new ones but there is only one thing that kills creating you want to to say something shocking to raise awareness that fear of not succeeding fear I'll be out the TT Radio 2020. 
You are listening live. And we are back now after the news. Dear listeners, now is the time to think about what to do in our classroom when we want to nurture creativity for our students. So first, I would say we need to explain what it means because our students might not know what creativity means. We need to show examples of creative people doing what they do best, which is their work, such as artists, sculptors, designers, scientists, cooks, entrepreneurs, musicians, novelists, people who do art crafts, and also ordinary people being creative. And I would suggest maybe using that picture of a child in Ladakh having made his beautiful car out of little bits of refuse he found. You can also start the 100 days of creative ideas, hashtag the 100 day project. This needs a little bit more guidance from the educator, but it's a great start. It's a website that gives you resources to encourage your students to be creative every day. Ask your students what they would like to improve in the school. Children have lots of ideas and then give them the time they need, the resources and organizational skills that are necessary to sort it out. Empower your students. This will also increase the democratic institution building in the school. You can also, as I said, encourage a democratic education in your classroom. And I would say use voting as often as possible. You might use different methods. You might use paper voting, which is confidential, or hands up voting, which is not confidential, or the method where the children closes their eyes and puts their heads on the table and then vote yes with the left hand, no with the right hand, and then it's confidential because they're not looking at each other because of peer pressure. You can have a post box in your classroom. I mean, don't go and buy a proper post box. Just make one out of a shoe box, have the students decorate it, and then it becomes a, a confidential post box where they can write questions and comments. And then regularly, once a week, you pick up five, and then we try and give answers to the questions on the papers. If you want your students to be creative, you need to become more of a relay than someone who controls the lesson. So try not to be the fountain of wisdom. Try and step aside and only be a mediator, the middleman who lets the students talk to each other. I try to do that a lot with my students. They're always asking me, for instance, for vocabulary in French, whereas I know they already know the words. They just forgot they knew it. So what I usually say is, in the target language in French, I ask them to ask the class instead of me. And I would say 85% of the time, someone else in the class knows the answer. So try to step aside, be the mediator or the relay of information. Don't give the information yourself. 
you'd be surprised, but as a group class, most students can achieve everything you give them. It's just they need to work cooperatively. And remember, creativity is about connection. If you want to encourage creativity in your classroom, you need to be creative yourself. So I know it's easy sometimes to just relay, rely on the resources we found on the internet or on the book workbook we're using or on the textbook we are using in the school because that's the one that everybody uses and it means that everybody has access to the same learning. Well, it's okay when we are short of time, but if you can, try and make your lesson planning reflect who you are and your interests and your hobbies because it will feel more real and it will inspire your students better. So be creative yourself. I remember a teacher in my secondary school days who was a fan of Corrida. Now that's definitely something I'm not a fan myself, being a vegetarian for moral reasons. But he was so passionate about Corrida and he brought it so often into his lesson planning and he was a French literature teacher that a lot of his students got interested in it as a subject. It doesn't mean that they would be pro-Corrida but they were really fascinated by his passion. And I do think he left his influence, maybe not on the subject of corridors, but definitely on his passion for Spanish culture and um, his um, obsession of Pablo Picasso paintings, for instance. So be creative yourself and share your passion. And also, as I explained with the anti-apartheid um, project I'm doing with my year 10, you need to liaise with local museums and art projects. There's so many, particularly if you live in a big city, but even in a smaller city, there is always a historical society or reenactment society or any sort of museum and try and make a connection with the people working in the museum, invite them to come to school, go to visit the museum yourself, or it could be someone who works in forestry, anyone who is really aware of the local resources should be invited often to the school. Make sure it's safeguarding, obviously, but try and liaise with other people who are passionate in your local area and you would be surprised what you can put in place. And then my last advice, advice number 10 for making your classroom a nurturing place for creativity is to ask for help because creativity is about bonding, sharing, networking, communicating, and it's a social thing, it's a social construct. So if you ask for help, you might get people who will be happy to help. It might be just an idea. They might just be um, reacting to your idea and giving you another angle, another, another perspective. But ask for help because you might get help. And at worst you get a no sorry, which is fine, because we need to work on accepting failure, don't we? So this is it. This was my take on creativity. I hope you found it interesting. It was um, really pleasant for me to work on that topic. That is really, really, really interesting and should be at the core of any government rethinking of education in our European societies. So I hope you liked it. Please react on Twitter if you can. And I will see you again next Sunday, 5 p.m. Have a beautiful week, everybody.
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.